Hi, my name is Bumi Akinyemiju, the CEO of Venture Garden Group, headquartered in Nigeria. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, Bumi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Wow, some moving and shaking you've been doing, for sure. Um, <laughs> and by you, I certainly mean um, the organization you you head up, uh, a tech group that I'd like to learn about um, and hear more about, the Shore Remit um, ICO uh, that's been trending of late. Definitely something I'd like us to talk about. The the massive investment you've taken on from Convergence Partners, of course, who who also have a a, a massive investment in the likes of Ccom. Give us a sense of where this all began. It all started really from the days of um, high school and kind of taking an interest in technology, software development, and entrepreneurship. Um, and pretty much my second week moving back to the U.S. where I was born, um, I joined this startup. I mean, highly entrepreneurial guys. They had just started uh, a company called Artemis Solutions Group out of East Lansing, Michigan. And, uh, uh, and it was just fun, you know, joining these guys who wanted to change the world of DNA analysis, forensic testing, paternity testing. Um, so taking my interest in software development and entrepreneurship and startups and joining these guys, I just I got hooked. Um, and since then, um, have gone on to start, you know, multiple other companies right there in the U.S. Uh, up until 2011, where I decided Africa is really the next frontier, and um, and essentially moved back, uh, dropped everything I was doing in the U.S. to my co-founders of those different businesses, moved back to Africa with um, a couple of uh, my co-founders. And uh, uh, since then, it's been uh, an awesome ride. Do you think there's, some, uh, there's something to the fact that you came up in, in Michigan, except for the cold? I mean, I, I can think of quite a few parallels to, to, to Nigeria in the sense that I think even Americans themselves think of Michigan as sort of somewhere out there. <laughs> and of course, um, except for, you know, that, that uh, killer sort of football team at, uh, at Michigan State. Yeah. Um, definitely a state being put through quite a bit at the moment in terms of like the economics of, you know, of, uh, of being an American state. Um, do, do you see anything to that in terms of your, your thinking and your approach to to problem solving and starting up in Nigeria? Do you think any of that is related at all? Absolutely, Andile. I think um, I think you make some good uh, uh, points there in that, um, you know, especially the time that, you know, I was I was professionally involved in, in Michigan. It was kind of this time where, you know, economy was tough. Um, I mean, Michigan was the darling of America, right? That's where Ford came out of. That's where General Motors came out of. That's where the yeah. auto industry... We forget. <laughs> we totally forget because, I mean... I'm sorry, but I mean, right now, I mean, when you think of like third world America, you kind of think of, you know, Detroit and, and or rural Michigan, you know, that kind <laughs> exactly, of thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so imagine um, doing a startup in Michigan, right, where auto industry had collapsed, the government had just rescued the, 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 the industry when Obama came in, and it's kind of like this boring old Midwest, you know, 
uh, environment where people felt, you know, is this entitlement kind of culture and, and you know, but like it, it was over, right? It was all about Silicon Valley and like in you know, New York, the, the center of financial, you know, the financial center of the world, um, you know, Boston, you know, with MIT and innovation coming out of that. So when anybody talks about uh, tech entrepreneurship in Michigan, it was kind of like, you know, no, just tell me about uh, U of M or Michigan State football and basketball and then let's move on to other things now but with all of that I mean I think we were able to create some interesting companies we were able to grow them we were able to use you know kind of you know not the kind of talents that you have access to in Michigan is not gonna be the one you have in California but how do you now leverage teamwork of of guys who are maybe they're not you know extra they're not your LeBron James right you know but but right. they are you know talented people who just work extremely hard and can you create an enterprise out of that can you create success out of that and that's what we really learned that's what Michigan taught me was you don't need you know the 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 sexy you know uh, uh lebron james you know and kobe bryant to make a company happen it's really about the grit the resilience the hard work also we didn't have venture capital right <laughs> you know if i'm a vc in 98 well somewhere between 98 and 2011 when you were at artemis i'm sorry but you're not getting my money. <laughs> do, do you feel like that sort of attitude? And I mean, I speak to to Nigerian founders, and I say Nigerian specifically because I mean, you guys have the, the the you know Africa's largest population, and on paper, really, the you ought to be the biggest deal on our continent. Do you guys do you feel that um, that similar sort of um, attitude of I don't want to say disdain, but really being underestimated and really just how important as an ecosystem Nigeria is and should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely. I mean, and I think that that's why I really loved how you drew the parallels between kind of Michigan Midwest in the U.S. context and, you know, Nigeria, Africa in the world context. I think it's the same way where yeah. when you look back, um, you know, back into the history and the richness of the African culture and and you know and the people and and the kingdoms that you know that were you know that were here back in the day before you know colonization and and all those different things and slavery and those types of things i mean i think in the same way um you know you kind of have africa you have nigeria where there is a lot of potential right in terms of the people in terms of the population in terms of the the youth in terms of you know and you can see that all you need is that enabling environment and it becomes exponential we've seen this happen in asia already and you know and like they say africa is the remaining continent that hasn't seen that you know it's, it's the last one to pop and so for me um that was why africa was so interesting was I should be there early uh, before this big pop happens. Let me get there. Let me get into the grind. Let me help to, you know, be part of that transformation. And the same things that helped me to be successful in Michigan, um, that grit, that resilience, right? That aspect, that that underdog, right? That you're underestimated and, and you know, it's never worked before. Why are you going to be the one to make it happen? I mean, I think 
is the same thing that has helped us really be successful in Africa so far because we understand that we don't need super rock stars to make things work. What we need is a good team, uh, people with integrity, uh, people with a lot of grit and resilience, people who are willing to learn, who are humble and are just like committed to, to learning more every single day and doing things better, that continuous improvement type of mindset and people who can uh, think big as well, right? You know, think continent yeah. scale. Absolutely. Well, look, I mean, I only have so much time with you. A million questions come up because of what you've just said to me, um, but I'm going to need to to rush to what most people are going to be super interested about in terms of having you on. Um, give me a sense of what Convergence Partners brought into uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think it would have been 2015 when they sunk $20 million into Venture Guard in Nigeria. What would you say your cell was? And what were they buying into? Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very good question. Essentially, Venture Garden Group um, focused on two things, um, data and payments. And we kind of feel that we can build a, a solid um, continent scale enterprise by bringing those two capabilities together. Um, data enables transparency, right, which is something Africa needs. Data enables investment and attracting capital, which is what Africa needs. Um, um, data removes, you know, corruption and fraud out of value chains, which is what Africa needs. And then, of course, with payments, um, the aspect of payments means that um, you can take all the paper money flowing around and convert that to digital. What that means is you, you essentially, you know, catalyze trade, right? You reduce the friction between uh, customers and businesses and, and peer-to-peer and so on and so forth. So, so essentially, VGG is this kind of fintech um, uh, B2B company that takes um, this data capabilities and payment data, uh, payment capabilities into different sectors to help transform those sectors. So essentially, Convergence bought into this hold call that has this payments capabilities and, and, and data platform, um, which becomes a platform that you can use to then go into new sectors. So we created a company, a subsidiary called Avitech. We created a subsidiary called Powertech. We created a subsidiary called Edutech. Um, and all of these different subsidiaries, at, at the end of the day, they're just a manifestation of combining payments and data to help solve certain challenges in a particular sector. Maybe I should give you a couple of examples to sort of make it real. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I my next question would be, uh, how do you determine what's within scope? So perhaps the example will help. Absolutely, absolutely. So the beauty is that there's one core platform. There's one core payments platform, one core data platform. You can then essentially, and of course, everything is exposed via APIs and everything, and you can then combine those platforms and take it into, um, let's say, aviation. So within the aviation sector in Nigeria, all of the international airlines that fly into Nigeria and the domestic airlines that fly inside Nigeria essentially connect to our aggregator. By connecting to our data aggregation platform, it means that online real time, I have a sense of all flights movement, um, how many people are on the aircraft, 
how much they're paying and so on and so forth and that data then enables the relationship between the airlines and the government agencies to be more seamless to be more online to be more real-time now government can use that data to plan and so on and so forth and essentially our business model is to expose that platform to corporates and government and charge a small transactional fee so that's a good example of sort of the use case for our, our platform but the platform is now available for any other company to take advantage of it let's talk about education as an example a university wants to yeah. automate the process for how students pay how they register for classes and how they take classes remotely essentially you connect um, um, that educational institution to our core platform behind and essentially it shortens the timeline to automate the key processes as long as it has to payments and data the good thing is that anybody can build new platforms or new companies on top of our platform and i think convergence saw a very scalable uh, platform company where essentially the growth scale is exponential because you don't have to go and acquire all the customers yourself um essentially third yeah. parties can essentially build new um solutions new sectors on the same uh, uh, platform even though for the past six seven years we've been building our own subsidiaries on top of the platform but essentially the capital from convergence is now enabling us to open that platform up for anybody in any country to essentially uh, uh, build companies you know faster quicker um, to solve um, industry specific problems and how much of that vision was set back in 2011 when you started and how much of it you know sort of evolved in time did you pivot absolutely <laughs> good question uh, i think just like any other entrepreneurial journey um you usually start with a picture of the problem you're trying to solve and how you're going to go about solving it and so on and so forth but then reality hits <laughs> you know reality hits and and tia <laughs> exactly <laughs> then you now have to essentially pivot and and that agility is really really important and i think in africa overall one of the lessons um i've had is that you know yes you start with the vision but until you go to the market until you go to the customer and you sit down there with them not for one hour not for two hours but every single day for weeks and for months to you know see how see what the problem is before you bring tech and then also as you develop the tech get them involved in the tech i think so many people make the mistake of sitting down in the us or in london or in lagos and you're designing something for a small town or a small university or a small airline in some small city somewhere really we've learned that you need to sit down with them because that's essentially how you get to evolve the vision from what you might have thought about uh, at the beginning. So to answer your question, it has really evolved. We knew that data and payment are sort of ubiquitous challenges that the continent has, um, but we, it took us essentially creating uh, four or five subsidiaries that are using those platforms to um, automate a particular industry, a particular corporate, for us to realize that, oh, okay, we must make this a platform that is truly open, uh, a platform that is like API only. Oh, we must really make sure that all of the solutions are designed where you're thinking about offline first. 
right everything you do it must be able to work whether there's internet or not um, your end users are really going to be using mobile phones more than big computers and, and so on and so forth so all of those things would have been difficult to completely envision on day one and so we've really had to learn from the market and uh, sit down with our customers and sit down with the the ecosystem uh, our, our companies to essentially evolve what the platform looks like today. Quite a few people I speak to feel that uh, the the process you've described really is, should ideally be financed by long patient cash um, as opposed to sort of venture capital that's like chasing, you know, massive year-on-year, you know, growth, exponential growth and that kind of thing. Um in convergence partners, you've they they strike me as somewhat of a hybrid because they um, they certainly uh, play in the sort of PE space, but they they de- definitely have a sort of VC approach to things that uh, that's not typical within the PE scene. What's your sense of this? Because I, I, I mean, I'm looking at your timeline. It's open in front of me with your you know your group. I'm on your site. I'm looking at the timeline of your growth. There's no possible way that in 2017, looking or in 2018, looking back to 2011. Um, y- this could have been part of some roadmap that was sold <laughs> up front. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I, I think the topics you're hitting on are, 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 are areas that, that I'm very passionate about, right? Uh, number one is we all know it. There's a gap of, you know, of, of, of capital in Africa. But funny enough, the gap actually exists more in that earlier stage seed um, um, and early stage kind of Series A money. Um, it just really doesn't exist. Um, but now there's a lot of money, there's excess money on the other hand, at that PE space, right? The guys who are yeah. looking for, I'm looking for uh, uh, a company um, doing, you know, EBITDA of, you know, $5 million, $10 million, uh, profitable already, and I can invest growth capital in. How much do you want? Do you want $5 million, $10 million, $20 million? Not a problem. There's a lot of capital there, but there's a big gap in the early stage um, 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 kind of space. And when you look at it globally, right? I mean, look at the top, you know, five, six, seven companies in capitalization in the world, right? Companies like, you know, you know, Facebook and Amazon and, and so on and so forth and Google. I mean, these companies were startups, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 15, 20 years ago, right? So if the early stage capital wasn't there, the world would not be where it is today, right? In terms of this large company. So we have this challenge in, in, in Africa. Uh, but how do we solve it? And I think that's where guys like um, Convergence Partners are really, really uh, a godsend. Um, I feel like because of their um, um, experience, right, these guys are ex-entrepreneurs. They've started companies before and so on and so forth. So their perspective to to investment is very, very different. And I'm, I'm really grateful for running into these guys and the relationship we have with them because more than your traditional PE, um, they actually get it. You know, they, they, they understand the platform play, right? They understand that it's not about, you know, the profitability on day one. They understand the J-curve, J right? You have to understand the J-curve that, hey, the first two, three years, it might be zero revenue. It's just like when Google was giving yeah. away Gmail and this, this types of things. Nobody, nobody ever thought that. It was just a play to aggregate this data that is going to give rise 
essentially to the largest you know advertising company the world has ever seen right so would would i be right in saying that the average vc outfit operating on the continent today would probably overlook a venture garden group definitely <laughs> because of the because of the lack of vision and perhaps a short-sightedness or pressure to, to to deliver a certain result within four years or three years or whatever the the lps you know are chasing. exactly i mean these guys will i mean they'll bring you the excel spreadsheet you know they don't actually understand the platform play or want to understand the platform or how aggregation of data might turn into cash five years from now right and that's where you miss the boat because the priorities of the company will now move to more of a of a wall street format right quarter over quarter is just yeah. about the short term and it's all about the bonus for the executives in that short term meanwhile they're not creating that long-term you know platform play which again companies like facebook and google has really shown how you can execute a platform play very well especially when you have the capital mix available so it's really been a joy working with those guys you know brandon idan um, um and dilly and the crew um because that understanding of um of technology of of, of early stage investment um is there and i really hope that there will be more of those types of companies um, uh, of, of investors um, in, in Africa, which also leads me to the other arm of what our Venture Garden Group is doing, right? After essentially creating this payment platform and this data platform, we also realized that the ability to grow the platform revenue is going to be a function of how many companies we can help either create or accelerate or, or invest in or partner with that can continue to consume our payments and, and data platform. So we essentially created a, an early stage kind of you know, VC vehicle um, that looks for startups like Shore Gifts, like Flutterwave, like Minds.io, and so on and so forth. Essentially, the startups that rely on a payment platform behind the scenes to enable their 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 solution are very interesting for us. So I'm I'm aware of your activities in this space, and I was wondering what's the key, what's the what's the common denominator between all the uh, the sort of startups you've decided to um, you know the portfolio you've decided to build in that space. It, it does appear that your approach addresses the the sort of oversimplified or underestimated challenge of doing what Google did in the Silicon Valley context and what Facebook did in the Silicon Valley context without the supporting infrastructure in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's a tough environment. And again, um, um, because of the immaturity of the, of the consumer behavior, right? And, and, the, and the infrastructure, the power and telecommunications infrastructure required to really capture the market opportunity here. Uh, but what we've seen is that what you really just have to do is to focus. And, you know, each one of these subsidiaries I talk about is a focused business that looks at the specific problems in a sector and just tries to unbundle it, automate it, create a solution that the customers want and make money out of it. Uh, but because of the, the lack of infrastructure, long term funding and those types of things, it means that your, your staying power has to be strong, right? You have to be able to just stick at it till you can turn it into a profitable business on a standalone basis 
Um, so that's the thesis that guides everything that we do, whether in the aviation business that we started or the educational business that we started or the power sector business that we started, um, or what enables the ability for each of those businesses to become standalone, profitable faster, is then the platform behind them so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel across the stack. You don't have to think about your, your cloud infrastructure. You don't have to think about the security behind it. You don't have to think about all the licenses from the central bank you need to operate a, a, a payment system. You don't have to think about you know creating your new data analytics system or buying a platform like tableau or clickview or or power bi or all of these different things that are not necessarily designed for the africa environment so that leaves you to then innovate around your core business i mean let me give you a, a perfect example we, we we have a startup um that's called um helium that does you know healthcare automation Right, they're just a standalone company. We saw them, and we saw that they provide um, automation for for healthcare um, um, offices, hospitals. Um, they automate everything from appointment all the way to your insurance claims and prescriptions and labs. Um, but we saw that behind their success has to be um, reducing the friction around the actual payments from patients or the remittance from the insurance company to the um, um, to the doctor's office. So essentially we said, hey, Helium, we love what you're doing. This is awesome. Um, um, and we worked with them you know, quite a bit. And we said, hey, but guess what? You don't have to think about these things. You can just focus on your business and just run it and just plug into this payment platform. And it's been a, an awesome relationship since then. Same thing with uh, RentSource that provides you know, solar um, energy um, um, systems for homes basically elon musk look out and and yeah they just raised didn't they they just uh, closed around here yeah. three million dollars or so um yeah successful guys doing awesome work but behind it is is again that that payment system that is very important for them to be able to focus on their core business the big thing obviously that uh, has gotten uh, venture garden group trending and out of interest before i ask my the last question or the last bunch of questions about sure remit this ico you're thinking about it the why the audacity of it what numbers do you typically throw out there sort of publicly to sort of describe the size of of your operations at venture gardens is it is it revenue is it your employee number is it yeah yeah no typically we we talk about um the, the size of the company in terms of you know our revenue uh sorry in terms of employees um as an example so as of the end of last year you know we had about 250 employees right that's from um um that's that's growing from about 150 you know the prior year so so pretty um uh, fast pace of growth there people wise we also talk about valuation right because at the time our convergence you know came in uh, we're roughly around, you know, $60 million or so in valuation, which obviously we're excited about the, the, the growth um, of, of that valuation into the future. So we also talk about that in terms of, you know, valuation growth and, and, and how we plan to roll out um, our long-term strategy, which, which sort of ends in 2022, right? So we have a five-year, you know, growth plan to essentially take that $60 million or so valuation to about $600, $700 million in valuation by 2022. Mm. Mm. Sounds good.
So let's talk about Shoremit, man. One of your portfolio companies. Goodness me, the headline grabbing nature of the moves they've made lately. So in December, you guys, I mean, Shoremit basically uh, told the world that they'd be looking to, to, to float a coin. Give me a synopsis of what the play is here. There's vouchers involved. And the reason I'm super excited is not, and I have to admit, because I am totally sold on on cryptocurrency as a trend. I'm excited because I feel like this is the, the, the best example of of how Africa is beginning to participate in this global trend. So give me a sense of what Shore Remit is trying to do and why Venture Garden is all about that thing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So so here's how everything plugs in. Shore uh Shore Gifts is a company that, you know, a couple of years ago or so um we invested in. Again, because it fits into the model that I spoke about earlier, um, they need that infrastructure, that payments infrastructure behind them. Um, um, and essentially, Short Gifts was a company that's doing gift vouchers. A corporate can decide to give out gift vouchers to their customers or their employees at the end of the year or for you know long-term uh, a service to the company. Here's a gift card or your birthday. Here's a gift card. And essentially, just like a Starbucks or a Walmart gift card or an Apple iTunes gift card in the US that you can just take to the store and use it to buy, you know, grocery at Walmart. Um, essentially, that's the way um, short gifts works, you know, in, in, in Nigeria. So, so that was a company we, we invested in uh, and they're connected to our, our payment platform behind the scenes. And, you know, fast forward, um, the gift card company has been quite successful. And, and it works very well. You know, people are transacting on it, high volume, a merchant network of over 500 companies, you know, in the U.S. Um, but what they started seeing was there's a lot of companies and individuals outside of Nigeria that are buying these vouchers remotely and then, you know, sending it to their loved ones. And so they were like, oh, there's a remittance play around you know gift cards like that's the problem right so yes you can go to western union to send money um but then it's costly um it takes multiple days um and and then you have no control over what that person uses the money for whereas people were buying these vouchers from short gifts to essentially be able to control which shop which merchant what you buy when they give the gift cards to the beneficiary so that was essentially how this concept of sure emit as a product uh, came wow. about wow that's quite a story sure yeah and uh, and and i mean it was just like a light bulb moment and we're like oh so essentially that voucher that gift card which by the way is digital it's just yeah. a number it's a form of currency actually it's a, it's a exactly. form of exchange well i mean what is it if not currency exactly and it's essentially in a closed loop environment it's a closed loop you know voucher network and essentially that is one of the best use cases for blockchain right and so, you know, essentially that was when it was from there, everything became just super clear. The guys, you know, built the Shore Emit platform on top of, you know, blockchain using the Stellar, you know, the Stellar network. Um, and essentially, um, um, from doing that, what's the other problem in, in, in Africa is the problem of capital, early stage capital, right? And of course, you know, 
with with solving the problem around capital that's been crowdfunding and 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 those types of things yeah. and ICOs is kind of like the new age way of raising you know capital so it's wow. essentially a newer form of crowdfunding except that um it, it is more friendly to block to companies that are utilizing blockchain because the concept of blockchain is really all about this decentralized and transparent network yeah. so the two concepts come together and it's always frustrating for me because people always confuse the fundamental concept of, of, of blockchain with bitcoin right yes. and they're not the same thing obviously <laughs> not obviously not but i mean here exactly. in this case you guys hitting two birds with one stone it, well sure it's definitely hitting two birds with one stone here raising capital that's obviously needed to to grow the company no doubt and simultaneously bringing online this whole new method of exchange of value within a closed network perfect yeah you i mean i couldn't have said it better than you did essentially it's solving those two problems at the same time that is a boss move i'm sorry like no whoa. It's, it's incredible it's incredible i mean um I, and the best part of this is that this was supposed to be an ICO that would take between, you know, one month, one and a half months, and in less than a week and a half, it was sold out. Jeez. Literally, I mean, Korean um, um, funds, funds from Japan, from Canada, and I think at the end of the day, there were about 1,200 or so individual investors that yeah. are just like, hey, I love this. Oh, you mean this thing can solve this problem that Western Union cannot solve? All right, I'm in. Here's Could 5, anyone participate? Here's 10, Was it open to anybody? Anybody? Like anybody? Pretty much. That's the beauty of an ICO, right? And and of course, just like an IPO, um, an ICO is is a similar concept. You publish your white paper. Yes, which I read and case, ignored goodness <laughs> <laughs> right but the best part well here's the best part yeah, right yeah you you can ignore it but the good thing about it is that it's such a transparent process where as long as you're an, a diligent you know individual you're just going to jump on the telegram chat just like whatsapp and and you just watch all the experts asking difficult questions yeah and they're throwing questions at the team yeah and you just get a sense of how well you know, is the team responding to the questions? Is the expert happy? And by the way, this expert could be some guy sitting somewhere in China or in California asking a P with a PhD from Stanford and asking difficult questions. But all of this question asking and answering are all in the open. It's not like uh, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, you know, five analysts looking at a data room, closed door. No. It's behind closed doors as well. <laughs> So, exactly. Look, I suppose this is why we do the podcast. Um, I have to admit that right now, I think I'm I'm overloaded with how much there is to know about this new thing, and it just feels safer, even prudent, to sort of go. Well, let me give it. Let me give it like a good couple of years before I I make a, a decision about this. But I have to admit that having read through the the, the white paper you put out, you know. Uh, and also having you know spoken to some of the people who've been directly involved, um, hats off to you. I have to admit that it's it's been done really well. Thank and, you. And I have to say this: I have to sort of uh, caution those who will take that and run. Um, the, the reason it's important that Bunmi has said everything he said is because for every one 
of these sort of offerings out there, there's at least 50 or 60 you really should be staying away from. So Definitely. Um, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. A lot of scams out there. A lot of scams. Yeah. And, you have and, to be careful. And so you have to be careful. And I think that's what you guys got right before. I'm, I'm sure this idea might have been in the in the works perhaps even as an idea to to raise capital for some of your other ventures but i feel it would have been too it would have been premature if you guys hadn't waited for you know the, the, the your your brand to prove itself for the value behind the ico to be so so steady that um no absolutely even absolutely. you know to, to to get it to this point so really up and down in terms of execution i have to give you a you, you and your team, uh, a personal standing ovation for how well you guys have handled this. And I really do hope it, it goes well from here. I know we're out of time and I will not I will not hold you any further. I must thank you so much for being on the show, Bunmi. No, thank you so much. And I think uh, a lot of kudos to the Short Gifts team. I mean, those guys worked really, really hard. And, yeah. and thanks for having me on, on the show. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We must do this again. And I, I believe you're in, in Joburg at least two or three times a year. Give a brother a shout. Um, let's catch a coffee um, so I can give you that handshake in person. <laughs> I sure will. I sure will. Thank All you right. and delay. Sure thing.